0: Did you see God? Did you see God? I I hope that you saw God. And if you did, maybe it did like for me. It brought tears to my eyes to behold our God, behold our King. Come, let us adore him because uh, what a privilege to gather and worship our King. And sometimes I take it for granted, and sometimes I dread it, and it should not be that way at all. And I hope that you have already seen and already heard from God. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want us just to begin with prayer to quiet our hearts as as we read the words from the king. Yes, Paul wrote these, but... They come from the king. God the Holy Spirit filled these men who penned God's words. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking that you might take the words that I have written on paper and in some way use them to write upon our hearts. Take the words that the Holy Spirit had Paul write upon parchment and might the Holy Spirit write them upon our hearts today, please. And I'm asking if there is someone here without you as Savior, I am praying that the veil might be lifted, that they might come to you and hear from you today, please. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When I grow up, You know, I've told you uh, all the things I want to be when I grow up. So uh, when I grow up, I'll have to live to be a thousand years old, which uh, really is not uh, far fetched at all because uh, we will live, believers will live a thousand years on this earth while Jesus Christ reigns before the new heaven and the new earth are created for us. Uh, But when I grow up, I want to be a treasure hunter. Uh, maybe some of you want to be treasure hunters, too. Uh, but I've always been a treasure hunter, even as a kid in fourth grade. I remember uh, with my brother, oh, he's a year older, uh, we pulled our a little wagon that we had. We pulled it a mile and a quarter out of a little town in Wyoming, and we went out to the dump, and we looked for treasure. And we'd spend a lot of time finding treasures there, Uh, in the dump loading our wagon I'm sure we made mom and dad proud pulling it through the (laughs) through the town there and uh, a town of 300 everybody knows everybody and and so you have to behave in a town like that because I'll tell your mom I'll tell your dad and so you behave because everybody knew who mom and dad were and but I I've always been a treasure hunter Um, in even in college the, uh, I went home. I remember getting a phone call from the government trapper, Bob Neal. He's in our church, and he said, Dave, I was up hunting a coyotes up in the Upper Ruby, and uh, as we were flying in a helicopter, and that's how we hunted them, flying in a helicopter, I looked down, and it's above the buffalo jump there in the Upper Ruby, above the reservoir, and I looked down, and the backside of the buffalo jump, uh, there's a cliff and I saw uh, an old saddle, and he said, remember, and he had taken us up before, and we'd gone with our youth group, to, to go to the Buffalo Jump, and on the front of the Buffalo Jump, there were words written, painted, and it was uh, two names, hung, and their da- the dates that they were hung, and uh, Plumber's Gang. And so he said, "You know, a, a, a plumber's gang used to run in that area up the Alder Gulch, and and so uh, they caught two of plumber's gangs after a stage robbery. They never found the saddle bags, or the, uh, and one of the horses got away. They never found it. They hung them anyway, and uh, but maybe this saddle is part of this plumber's gang." And so if you want to go up there and look, uh, I just wanted to let you know, I spotted something, a saddle there. So uh, Sunday after church, my sister Judy and I, we, we got in the Jeep and we drove up the upper uh, ruby and in the re- behind the reservoir. And we passed the Buffalo Jump and we worked our way over the open hillsides in the Jeep and got to the backside of the Buffalo Jump. And sure enough, here was this cliff. And uh, we began to hike around and explore and try to find that saddle. We found the saddle, and we we drug it out. Most of the leather had peeled off, but there were no saddlebags with it. Now, I know they were there someplace filled with gold. That's what a a treasure hunter knows. We just know there's treasure there. As long as you look hard enough and dig deep enough, you will be able to find this treasure. And so... uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I was with the grandkids uh, out in Montana at the cabin, and we walked down. The cabin is right on the edge of uh, Castle Rock Baptist Bible uh, Camp, and that's where I grew up as a little kid. And we went down there, we were hunting for uh, bows and arrows, and uh, we were cutting the current uh, branches because they make good bows and arrows. They don't, but we, that's all we had. And so we were finding bows and arrows, worked our way down to the camp, and here a front-end loader had, sometime earlier, had scooped out the bank in the, in the, of the mountainside so that a, a, a camper trailer could back in there, and they could get set up for some camping. And uh, they had scooped this out. Where they scooped it out, they had scooped into an old dump. Now, this camp used to be a CC camp, for those of you that are really old, uh, and, uh, you know, 100 years ago. And and so uh, here are treasures. And sure enough, as we looked through these treasures, we found an English teapot and uh, an old type of uh, a. Glass vase or a bowl type of thing that we put flowers in. They were treasures. Wow. Look at the treasures that we found. Well, I've been waiting for this day. And I would like Katrina to come up here. Katrina is our oldest granddaughter, grandchild. And with the, being the oldest grandchild comes some good things. Now, it isn't this earthen vessel that is the treasure. It's what is in this earthen vessel, wanting to pass it on to the next generation, to the oldest, a treasure. Uh, I read not too long ago about uh, a guy who picked up, he was a rock collector, but he picked up a a paperweight uh, at a garage sale, And he went and he had it, uh, he wanted to find out what kind of gem it was. And it turned out to be an amethyst or something that was worth tens of thousands of dollars. Well, I'm a a treasure hunter. And so I found a treasure at a garage sale. Two dollars that I paid for this because I'm a treasure hunter you go to garage sales or auctions because you're looking for treasures I do as well this is my treasure Katrina do you know have you ever held a ruby that size before (laughs) do you know how much a ruby that size is worth Uh, and you're right in, in saying no because Nobody knows how much ruby that size is until it goes to auction and whatever the collector will pay for it. They say, well, who knows what the price The price, it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I am passing this rock off to you uh, with two stipulations, that you take care of it and that if uh, you ever sell it, while Mama and I are still alive, that you will give us half. <laughs> okay? Okay, thank you. She has been given a treasure. Now, we all know that's not a ruby, but a ruby that size would be very valuable, wouldn't it? Uh, but, uh, and, and so that's valued now, since I paid $2 for, uh, in, according to, my calculations is the way things work out for me. That is now valued at a dollar and a half. Because everything I, you know, it goes down. Um, but Paul is talking about a treasure that is only going to go up in value. It is a valuable treasure. Now, he mentions that in uh, verse 7. But he actually mentions it. In verse 1, he says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, and I underlined ministry, and I drew a line right to treasure, because that's what he's saying. verse 7, he says, but we have this treasure. We have this ministry, verse 1. We have this treasure, verse 7. They're the same thing. Now, as before we get into this treasure, there is a qualification for receiving this treasure. Now, Katrina's qualification is she's just the oldest, a, grand, a Grotsky grandchild in our family. So that qualified her to receive this valuable gem that I gave her this morning. And so what is the qualification for receiving this treasure? It says, therefore, that first word. Verse 1, therefore, because of whatever is said in chapter 3, qualifies you for the treasure in chapter 4. Well, what qualifies us in chapter 3? Last week, we looked at the veil has been lifted. And when the veil is lifted, and what does that veil mean? When you place your faith in Jesus Christ to save you, the veil is lifted, and it changes your logic the way you think. It changes your life, the way you live. It changes your looks because you. it says that we uh, reflect the glory of Jesus Christ on our faces. It changes our looks. So uh, that qualifies us. Now, if you're here and you have not had that veil lifted, if you haven't recognized your need for a Savior, and the, your need for a Savior comes when you recognize that you're a sinner and all of sin and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of that sin is death, There's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. But Jesus Christ did something about it. He died on the cross so that we come to him and say, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. Please forgive me. I'm placing my faith in you to save me. And then the veil is lifted. The qualification for this treasure is a lifted veil. Uh, And maybe... And I just kind of assume that most everyone in here has had the veil lifted, and I hope that is true. So the treasure is this ministry, the treasure is this is this uh, uh, uh well, the treasure and the ministry are the same, but they all tie together in verse four, and I underline this the glorious gospel of Christ. so the ministry, the treasure come together as one. And it is the glorious gospel of Christ. What is the glorious gospel of Christ? It's the glorious good news that Jesus came, God the Son, and died for our sins. And extended us his mercy and his grace so that we can become parts of the family of God. So what does this treasure look like? Well, it doesn't look like much on the outside because that's what he is saying here, but we have this treasure in an earthen vessel or in a clay pot, something that this is, this is quite nice. Uh, now, it is very fragile. It's never been fired. It's, it was all put together, getting ready to be fired or put in the kiln and the heat applied to it, and then it would come out shiny, and the colors would be vibrant, and, and they're not yet because it was never fired. Why? Because it, the bottom broke off. It was a fragile vessel, and earthen vessels, that's what he is saying, earthen vessels. But uh, what, he wants to, what he says about this is, uh, what does it look like? It looks singular for one. He says, I'm an earthen vessel, and you're an earthen vessel. I have this ministry. You have this ministry. I have this treasure. You have this treasure. So singularly, we have got to have the veil lifted before we get our treasure. But it also talks of community when it says, we have this ministry, and we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So when I look out here, if the veil has been lifted from your face, you are uh, an earthen vessel, and we are a, a, a group of earthen vessels. Now, vessels are, earthen vessels are cheap. Yeah, that's what I said, you're cheap. <laughs> and so am I. Uh, we are common, because they made earthen vessels just to, To haul the water and to haul the slop and whatever they weren't bosses they were earthen vessels and so uh, and they're fragile and that's why we get a bunch of earthen vessels together we're bound to clank and sometimes when they bump enough they break now, we don't want the earthen vessels in our church family to break. And so we kind of treat, we should treat each other as fragile vessels. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm just going to say what I want. I'm just going to speak my mind. Uh, I'm just going to let him have it. And then we wonder why the relationship breaks. Uh, we need to be careful. But Paul says, okay, when he gets to this part, we have this ministry, this treasure in fragile bodies. But how are we going to treat this this treasure? Uh, I'm I'm thinking that that we kind of treat our treasure, our ministry, nonchalantly, uh, take it or leave it, maybe, maybe not, uh I, I want us just to see what does Paul say in these verses about this treasure? First of all, uh, I want you to realize that not everybody has it, only those that have had the veil lifted. So first of all, it's not for everybody. you might not have this treasure. I pray you'll deal with that today. Secondly, it's not optional. Look, okay, that's what he says here. We have this ministry. Therefore, because the veil is lifted, we have a ministry, folks. He doesn't say, therefore, because the veil is lifted, some of you are going to get ministries. Some of you are going to get treasures. That's not what Paul says. It's not optional. Now, what you do with it might be, and it is. Some of you maybe have never used your ministry. What does it mean? Well, whatever goes back to the glorious gospel of Christ because that's it's wrapped around the glorious gospel of Christ. Uh, and there are all kinds of ministries that we have. And our ministries are all different, but where they are not optional. Uh, and sometimes we just have to Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what that ministry is. Or maybe it's a loudmouth preacher that encourages you to say, hey, find out what your ministry is. You have a ministry. It is not optional. I went into the bank this week and met with Gary Johnson and uh, to refinance our house uh, uh, because of the interest rates and uh, refinance it down to a 15-year mortgage. I figure 50, uh, you know, 15 years on top of my age right now and uh, somebody else is going to have to finish it. But, um, uh, but we, he laid out some options, you know, kind of thinking, you know, I, you know, I have a 30-year option. <laughs> hey, you know who you're talking to here? Uh, 30-year option. Wow, for sure. Our kids would finish the payment. But uh, this isn't an option. There's not a thirty-year, a twenty-year, or a fifteen-year when it when it kicks in. When the veil is lifted, we have a ministry. We have a treasure. Uh, our call to ministry is not optional. We have been saved to serve. I don't know who first said that, but saved to serve. You hear that? That is true. We are saved to serve. Uh, the Christian life has never been convenient. You realize that? I mean, sometimes I want a convenient life. I, I want to coast for another four or five years and retire. Uh, you know, God didn't save me for Netflix. He saved me for a ministry. Now, I enjoy that sometimes, but he didn't save me for that. Christian life is inconvenient. Look at verses 8 and 9. We're not, we'll look at those next week. But 8 and 9, we are troubled on every side. That doesn't sound convenient. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Not convenient for Paul. Not convenient for any um, uh, godly characters in Scripture. Never convenient. Ask the Christians from the past in Hebrews chapter 11. Saw asunder. I don't know how they did that, if they had saws like we have, or they used knives, or saw, but they cut them in two, cut them apart. The Christians. Uh, it wasn't convenient. They had... Uh, uh, Thrown into arenas with wild dogs. Torn apart by horses. The Christian life is not convenient. Ask any Christians in Iraq. Ask the Christians in China. Ask the Christians in North Korea. And there are places that are even worse than those. As, I, as you read, and I follow uh, Voice of the Martyrs in their monthly magazine, and I read those stories and I cry, and I say thank you, Lord, for putting me here in the United States. Even inconvenienced in the United States is uh, is nothing in comparison to what they go through. But uh, here we are saved to serve. We have this ministry. It is not an option. Now they will be different, some and and different through different stages of our lives. Uh, some in our church family, they their ministry is their prayer life. And I received texts from people. A text this morning that said, Pastor, I am praying for you. And I'm praying for those that are here. I'm praying that the gospel might come through you and reach the ones that are here. Uh, that your, your prayer life uh, might eventually become only that. But I Uh, Hopefully, your prayer life is part of your ministry right now. Now, there's a a, a prayer warrior that comes in here on Sunday mornings and prays through our building, reading scripture, praying out loud. I try not to bother her when I I come in. And uh, up and down these pews, that might be your ministry through the buildings, through the classrooms, ministry of prayer, or phone visits. Some of you have a a ministry right now of calling people in our church family on the phone and asking, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Can we pick up some groceries for you? Uh, Some have the uh, ministry of house visits. And we have some that uh, could use some visits uh, all of us could use visits, but just uh, stop in and, and visit or maybe give them a call and, hey, are you going to be there? Can I just stop in and visit with you? And if you're blessed by having a musical uh, voice, like uh, Lindsay, he goes around and he, he sings songs, takes his guitar and sings songs to people, and I wish I could do that. That's not my ministry. The, some of you, the ministry is to your own kids or the ministry is to your spouse In some way. Right now. That's your ministry. Might be your work. And what you do there at work. Sharing Jesus Christ with those. Remember the glorious gospel of Christ. That's this treasure we have to share. Uh, Some of you might be your ministry. Passing out cookies with a track. In the bottom of the plate. Or uh, passing out New Testaments. Like Dick Dean did. Or discipleship. Having a Bible study with someone earning their trust, sharing Christ with them, seeing them come to Christ. That's uh, the ministry. Some of you, your ministry will be here this morning. As soon as we leave, you will go to a small group and you will participate and you will share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ with a, a small group where you can discuss what are you talking about? How does it Look in in married life. How does it look in rearing children? And and you have these discussions. Discipleship, that could be your ministry. It's important. The word, uh, this treasure we have is important because it came from God, and it is for God. It's not for everyone. Uh, It is not optional. It is not deserved. You hear that? None of us deserve the treasure we have. Now Katrina she's a great kid, but she she didn't deserve uh she didn't do anything to deserve this great treasure I gave her this morning uh, just it just happened she was born first in the grotsky family and that's what it says here in verse one okay we have this ministry we have this ministry it's not optional as we have received mercy it's coming we We don't deserve it. It's only by the mercy of God that we have been given this ministry or given this treasure. What a privilege. We're serving the king. We don't deserve it. Only God's mercy. Jesus took what we deserved and that was judgment for our sin uh, in hell. But he took that when he went to the cross. That's the mercy that he extended to us. And that's why... Uh, Romans 5 eight, but God commended or revealed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we did not deserve it, because we were sinners, we were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Uh, he saved us. He extended his mercy. He died for us. We're unworthy to be a co-worker for the king but especially unworthy to be a child of the king. Wow. And then fourthly, it's it's not temporary. It, it, that's what it says, the last part of that verse one. We faint not. We faint not. It's not temporary. That word faint not means to persevere. Do not lose heart. Do not play the coward. Um. Keep it up. Don't get discouraged and quit. Keep it up. We have this treasure. Don't stop sharing this treasure with those around you. And the treasure, the glorious gospel of Christ in some way. Uh, a missionary, uh, Charles Collins, missionary to Guatemala, and he, in his church, he invited the young men to come to a discipleship class. He wanted to, to teach some to become uh, preachers to take his place and, and he could move on and, and one guy showed up. They were both discouraged. Uh, they were hoping for at least a half a dozen. One guy showed up. They went through the course of discipleship. On the 13th week he had to write out and uh, uh, then he had to give his testimony to three people. And so this missionary and this young man, they went out uh, to to, uh, for, so he could share his testimony. This is uh, from the book. First, we went to a shepherd boy tending his flock. We told him of the good shepherd. Then we went to a young girl cleaning a kitchen. We told her of the one who can wash us as clean and white as snow. Then we went to a mechanic working in a bus garage. We told him of the one who can make all things new in us now the shepherd boy followed the good shepherd the young girl's sins were washed away the mechanic found one who can fix life and make it new again the the missionary asked the young man as they were walking back to the church says uh, do you want to you want to go to the next section in this discipleship and he said after today how can we quit we can't quit. It's not optional. It's not temporary. It is. It is valuable. This treasure we have. So, uh, it's uh, not optional. It's not deserved. It's not temporary. It's important. How else should we treat this treasure? Treat it as legitimate. It's important, but treat it as legitimate. Now, the messenger is only uh, a clay pot, nothing valuable about an old earthen vessel, but it's the treasure inside. And and so Paul is reminding us, as he reminds himself, we are just earthen vessels, but we have a responsibility. What is that responsibility? Verse 2, but have renounced. The hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation or revealing the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Even though we are earthen vessels, we have a responsibility to live trustworthy lives. Renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. You know, Paul says, I've lived my life in the light of God. It's shined upon me, um, not crafty, not deceitful. I've lived my life in the open. You know, uh, clay pots have flaws. We do. And I'm just a, an earthen vessel, just a, a clay pot or maybe like this one here, a cracked pot sometimes. But uh, I, I know at Easter, uh, on Fourth of July, I received a phone call, a text first. Are you coming to pray at uh, Judy Sigmiller's family gathering for lunch? Ah, oh, then I thought back. Yeah, three or four weeks before that, she had asked me if I would just come, and I said, "Well, we normally have company on the fourth, but I don't know that we have right now. I will write it on." my calendar and I did write it on my calendar but I didn't look at my calendar now that's a I'm a crackpot because of that uh, earthen vessel and so I had, I called her right away and said ah please forgive me I forgot about it and we've got company we're just sitting down in our backyard about to eat lunch and I'm just sorry I can't make it and I'm an earthen vessel now, Paul says He says, uh, I'm trustworthy. I'm not dishonest. And that's the testimony I want to have. Yes, an earthen vessel. Yes, I've got cracks and I will make mistakes, but I want my testimony to be that. Paul says, I'm not in it for uh, dishonest gain. I'm not in it for filthy lucre. He doesn't use that, but I love that. I love that filthy lucre. It just sounds uh, uh, animus, doesn't it? Uh, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not in this. And I hope you... Now, Paul had been with the Church of Corinth for maybe almost two years. Now I've been here for almost October 6th. We will have been here 30 years. And I hope that by now you see that I'm not in... I, this isn't a gig for filthy lucre. Uh, this uh, I want to be trustworthy yes I'm a cracked pot but uh, I hope by now you see that uh, that I am not here to manipulate this church family for my own gain and sometimes you might think that but I, I want you to know that I hope you don't I am not going to ask you to write a prayer request on the back of a $1,000 check and then you send it or you drop it off and we will uh, the pastors will take it in, we'll anoint it with oil and we will pray over it and uh, we will send you a piece of the cross that Jesus was crucified on and uh, your prayers will be answered. That is not why I am here. Uh, no, it is not done to trick people That's why Paul says, when the light of the truth turns on, and what he is saying here, I am not going to scramble. There's no need for me to scramble like a cockroach into the dark because I've lived my life in the light before you. Uh, Ministry is important. It is also legitimate. Uh, Even though it's held in a clay pot, it's the real thing. It is not like Katrina's. Ruby. It's the real thing. It's the treasure. And so Paul says, don't let it be distorted. And I'm not going to distort it. This word distort uh, that he, or uh, uh, di- hidden dishonesty here is talking about watering down wine when they go to sell it. So you can get two out of the, uh, one bottle or however they did that. He says, I'm not going to do that to the gospel of jesus christ and uh, religion can do that It, it can do it by increasing the demands of salvation you know insisting paul is writing about the judaizers in his day that were insisting you've got to be circumcised you've got to follow the law you've got to keep the feast days you've got to keep all of the uh the ceremonial laws and the food laws all of these things if you want to be a if you want to be a believer they added to it they increased the demands and that happens today i mean living through all of the years i have i've seen the demands and usually it didn't come in the form of you can't be saved but how can you really think you're saved if and uh you know some of the things i've lived through uh sacraments or uh uh, you you certainly couldn't drink or smoke or play cards or wear wire rim glasses uh, that was when I was in college, uh, or bell-bottom pants. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have worn bell-bottom pants, but uh, I did. Or haircuts and ties, or tattoos, or uh, you take your pick. There's a zillion of them. Uh, they don't determine a person's salvation, or maybe decreasing the demands of salvation. It waters it down. You're on your walk through life, uh, and you want a friend. Hold your hand out. And ask Jesus to join you, and he'll walk with you and help you the rest of your life, make life easier for you. You know, that's not salvation either. Pray a few words, and that's salvation. No, you've got to recognize that you're a sinner, that you need a Savior. I mean, if you're doing good enough on your own, why do you need a Savior? And so you can decrease the man's policy and knock it off, guys. Uh, Don't delude it. Uh, You you can't live in sin. And he's writing to the church at Corinth that in 1 Corinthians, he wrote to them and said, you're living in immorality, openly. And you're not doing a thing about it in your church family. You're living like the lost. Knock it off or I'm coming. And I'll straighten things out when I get there. And uh, that's why he said, what, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Should we just keep sinning more so that God pours more grace out to us? God forbid. How can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You just can't do it. If you enjoy it, then maybe you better examine the veil. Maybe you're looking through a veil and you haven't had it lifted. Then so uh, it is important. It's legitimate and it looks like Christ. Verses 5 and 6. That's why this treasure is important. It looks like Christ. Uh, I I know that we've all had pictures of Jesus. Uh, When I grew up, we had a picture of Jesus on the wall. And, you know, he looked like like me, only long hair. (laughs) Uh, And better looking. But, uh, no, Jesus didn't look like that. But he says, as you spend more time with Jesus, you look more like Jesus. This treasure looks just like Jesus. The glorious gospel of Christ. Now, uh, this week, I went to the jewelers and I picked up this box. Ooh, a box. And, uh, and I could give this box to Cindy, and she could look at it and say, "Wow, that is a beautiful brown box. It's just my color." But you look inside, and ooh, wow, this is a better-looking box. Uh, it's it's all it's kind of leather almost looks like. It's as beautiful. And I could give this to Cindy, and she could put this on her dresser with her other jewelry, and she could ooh and ah about that box. Let me tell you, folks, this is a clay pot because this isn't. This isn't the treasure. (laughs) The treasure is inside. And so what is that treasure? And the treasure is, you don't really ooh and ah, this is just a piece of her old uh, costume jewelry. But you know what, (laughs) probably as valuable as the uh, zircon. What what, what did I buy you instead? Zirconium instead of a diamond? No, no, she does have a diamond. But it is, it's what's inside The gospel, the glorious gospel of Christ, it is a treasure. Don't focus on the pot. Uh, We spend so much time taking care of our pots (laughs) that we never get around to sharing the treasure. We think that this life is making this pot last as long as we can. So we go real easy just so we don't crack and we forget that we've got a treasure inside don't focus on the pot showcase the treasure inside the glorious gospel of christ let's pray father lord i uh, the time is short i believe you are going to come back soon Lord, I don't want to be caught on the couch watching Hallmark flicks. I want to be showcasing Jesus Christ. Might those that see me see Jesus, please. And I pray this for the rest of us. What if you come back next week Have I demonstrated to those around me that I have a treasure inside? Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news. And before I close in prayer, before I close this prayer, maybe there's somebody here that would say, Pastor, I've never had the veil lifted. I I, I have never cried out to God to, to forgive me and save me and you would like me to just remember you, not by name as I pray, but to remember you in prayer this morning, would you lift your hand? Do you still have the veil over your eyes? Then, if you don't, you have a ministry. What are you doing about it? Lord, you know our hearts. You know the... uh, our desires, and if they're all pointed toward the pot, we have missed something. Motivate me, Lord, and motivate us to share Jesus Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.